Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. When I ask my male clients what they want the most, I I inevitably hear, I want my wife to be happy. And this is actually a wonderful thing, but I'm left thinking that it's also not attainable, at least not all the time, because no one can be happy all the time. That's because life and relationships are filled with ups and downs, good times, and challenging ones. So is there something that can be of more use than simply focusing on happiness? Well, actually, the answer to that question is yes. It's called emotional resilience. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today with my guest, Brent Peake. He's a licensed professional counselor and a relational resilience coach. So Brent, thank you so much for being here and talking about what I think is a really helpful conversation. Thank you, Leslie. I'm really happy to be here with you today. You are so welcome. You wrote a piece that (laughs) appeared on the Good Men Project titled, How to Build Emotional Resilience. So can you define what emotional resilience actually is and why it matters? Emotional resilience, I define it as the ability to face negative circumstances with maturity. Uh, we all face difficult circumstances in our life, and, and we all have these different strategies and ways of dealing with difficulties in our life. And unfortunately, a lot of the time, things just don't go the way we hope they will. Um, I, when I think of a, a, my favorite metaphor for emotional resilience is Neo in the Matrix. Um, okay. Is it okay if I use a, a niche sci-fi reference here? Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. So, in a couple of the movies there, in the first one and the second one, and probably in the in the later one, later ones as well, I don't recall. But there's there's this scene somewhere in the movie where Neo is holding up his hand, and there's all these bullets just paused in front of him, and that to me is emotional resilience right there. You know, there's a scene early on in the first movie where Morpheus is explaining to Neo the nature of the Matrix and who Neo is, or at least who he hopes he is. Mm-hmm. And and Neo says, are you telling me I can dodge bullets? <laughs> and Morpheus says, Morpheus says to him, no, I'm not telling you you can dodge bullets. I'm telling you that when you're ready, you won't have to. Ooh. And And that, to me, is a great metaphor for emotional resilience. You don't see Neo at the end of the movie running around and begging people to stop shooting at him. You, you don't see him dodging the bullets anymore at the end. He just puts up his hand, demonstrating that resilience that he has in, in, in that universe. And I think that's a great metaphor for what the way we can be with our emotions in difficult situations. And it matters because if we can't work towards that, then we are we are going to be constantly moving towards either uh, unhealthy control or collapse in our relationships. And either way, we're just not being relational anymore, and we're going to lose the connection that we're hoping for with somebody else. Well, I mean, I love that analogy, and but, but you actually said something early that I want to grab onto because you said something about being, you know, emotional resilience being 
a sign of maturity. And, you know, I, yeah. I think of maturity not in terms of chronological age, although I think a lot of people do. Right. I, I have, met, I have right. met very mature six-year-olds and very immature mm-hmm. 20 you know, or 60-year-olds, or you know, because I, yeah. I think it's yeah. more of a is – it, is it a skill set? Is it a mindset? What, what would you call it? Or is it both? Well, I, I, it is both. And in fact, that's, that's how I would define uh, the words flexibility and adaptability uh, that, that I mentioned in the article. I think that flexibility is about mindset and adaptability is about skill set. So that's, that's how I choose to categorize those. But to me, maturity, uh, and, and there's probably a lot of different ways to define this, but I think for the purposes of working with folks in relationships, to me, maturity involves three things, humility, compassion, and self-control. Uh, being able to uh, champion yourself with humility, being able to have compassion for yourself and others, which is shown in your respect for them, and how you treat them and talk to them, and then self-control rather than trying to control the people because without emotional resilience, we're going to be spending our time trying to control people and circumstances because we don't know how to control ourselves within and find peace within. So to me, maturity is about that inner game and a skill set that is more about uh, being able to take care of your inner world without having to manipulate the outer world so that your inner world's okay. Well, and, and I love that. And, but as I'm sure my readers are going, yeah, I mean, my listeners are going, yeah, but how do you do that? I mean, this is one of those things. And, you know, it, it, to me, when you talk about emotional resilience or, you know, being able to monitor your, your, your inner life, your own emotions, instead of trying to control the external world, because, I mean, short of science, fiction or superhero movies, I don't think any of us really can control the external world, even though that's what we all try to do. Um, Right. You know, it it, it sort of is like, how how do you do this? I mean, how do you, I mean, I love the idea of of humility and compassion because, of course, those are critically important relational skills. But this idea of, of, you know, managing ourselves and, and you know, you use, the, you use the Neo example and I always use the, the Violet example from The Incredibles where, you know, she, oh, yeah. Violet's, Violet's the one who can, who can activate the protective bubble, you know, where, so things right. are bouncing off the bubble, um, you right. know, and, and that's something that we can do ourselves, but it's like we never, nobody teaches us that in school really. And, you know, this idea of, you know, that we actually do have the power to decide what we're going to do. And I think that's where you're talking about these, these two skills for um, building emotional resilience. And so I'd like to take them one at a time. The first one that you mentioned is flexibility. And so Mm -hmm. what, what exactly does it mean to be flexible and, and how does it play into emotional resilience? So yeah, flexibility. And like I said earlier, flexibility is about mindset. Adaptability is about skills and we'll get into some skills in a little bit, but Mm -hmm. flexibility is about mindset. And the, the, the mindset that I think is the most critical here is being able to set a boundary of responsibility in your life and determining 
what do I need for my well-being and who is responsible for my well-being? Uh, I I think the prime mindset that needs to be established for folks is uh, what I would use almost like a mantra. My well-being comes from within and my well-being is my responsibility. Uh, I, I cannot hold another person accountable for my well-being. Ultimately, it is up to me. So when it comes to relationships like uh, a marriage or any romantic relationship or familiar relationship or friendships even, we, when we lose our emotional resilience, it's typically because we have not kept this in mind or we didn't realize it in the first place or we haven't realized it to the degree that we really need to, that, mm-hmm. that my well-being is my responsibility. And if I hold someone else responsible for my well-being and don't take responsibility for it myself, I will become manipulative and controlling. I will become resentful and, and, and in worst cases, outright abusive. And I love that because this is, you know, when, I, when my clients tell me that, that, you know, that, that their goal, I mean, this is, this is what I hear, is, I, is to make my wife happy, I'm like going, she's responsible for her own happiness. And, and you know, I mean, yeah. but we have this idea, you know, it's the whole, sorry, Jerry Maguire, you complete me crap, um, that somebody. <laughs> I could not agree more. I just told someone that yesterday, and I didn't say crap. I said something else. <laughs> I try not to swear on the show. Sometimes, sometimes I'm not as successful. <laughs> but yeah, I actually think of the other word as well. I mean, you know, this—it's why it drives me crazy. This whole happy wife, happy life—all this stuff. That's that's one. Yeah. The problem is that it's only focused on one person in the relationship, which I find completely unfair. But whatever. Um, but it's this idea that, you know, that I have the, I mean, wouldn't it be nice if I had the capacity to make other people happy or unhappy? What a power that would be. <laughs> but I don't. And, yeah. and when I, you know, and, and it, it just puts everybody in, in limbo land because it's like, you can't make me happy. I have to, I can choose whether or not to be happy. And by the way, nobody can be happy all the time. Otherwise, that's just the status quo. And yeah. I'm not still not quite sure why happy is the is the be all and end all because I you know like going again back to back to movies with Wally with the people who are just you know blobs on the on the spaceship you know <laughs> they don't have to do anything I'm right. like that's not really I don't know is that living um, but this idea that I'm in charge of my own stuff I think I think that's going to hit people as like just. I don't, I don't even know. Amazing. It's like, what? I'm in charge? Because, I mean, to me, that's empowering. If I give, if I give my, power, my yeah. emotional power over to somebody else, that's not, I mean, but if I have it myself, that's actually empowering. So, so what does flexibility look like? Well, hey, if I can, I want to, I kind of want to challenge a little bit the, the, the thing that you said earlier that a lot of your that a lot of your listeners would say I want my wife to be happy mm-hmm. I, I would I would counter that I suspect that is still not totally an other centered type of desire but a little more self-centered I want my wife to be happy so that I will feel okay yes and that's where they're 
they're they're they're trying to please someone else and to get and to control someone else's behavior because what does it look like if my wife's happy mm-hmm. my wife will stop nagging me my wife will stop giving me a hard time about this or that mm-hmm. so it, it, essentially they're 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 trying to manipulate or control their spouse because they don't know how to find their well-being from within oh, and that i think that's well, it, they, mm-hmm. they're, they're not taking responsibility for their well-being. Mm-hmm. They are saying, I'm not going to be happy unless my wife is happy. Now, they can do that in a controlling way. They can do that in a collapse sort of way where they just kind of play the victim. Mm-hmm. But, but ultimately, if, again, if I, don't, if I don't believe and don't practice finding my well-being from within, I will become manipulative and resentful. And so I think even a statement like that, uh, is somewhat manipulative. Uh, I wish there were a better word with a, a lesser degree of ill intent in it than manipulation. Uh, but manipulation, there is a severity scale of manipulation. Um, and so some people do it in a very uh, subtle way that isn't necessarily, you know, trying to be deceitful or ill intent. Maybe they just want to have some peace in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and, and then you have, at the other extreme, more outright abusive, controlling things that people do to try to get what they're hoping for in the relationship. But, ulti- but ultimately, if I don't have that mindset uh, of being able to find my peace and well-being from within, um, I'm, I'm going to fall into uh, those patterns of resentment and manipulation. So how – so – how does flexibility make that possible? What does that mean? Well, flexibility, the internal flexibility, rather than the rigidity of believing that things have to be a certain way. Gotcha. Uh, that I have to feel a certain way, and in order to feel a certain way, I need to make people act a certain way. And I'm not going to feel okay unless they change their behavior. Because when I, when I think of the most common examples of a lack of emotional resilience with, with the folks that I work with, uh, it is I want to feel a certain way, and the only way I know how to do it is to get you to change something about you. Mm. And so, again, we end up in that manipulation and control. Mm-hmm. And, and a, a flexible mindset says I can accept how I'm feeling right now. I can accept that. Uh, things aren't necessarily going to go the way I would like them to. I can accept that someone else isn't always going to be available to accommodate me. Mm. And the flexibility there comes in, in recognizing that I can find another way to be okay. I can find another appropriate source of well-being or another strategy to be able to take care of myself. So, you know, for example, I... You know, if I'm in a room and my partner is yelling at me and screaming at me about whatever, mm-hmm. uh, what do I want? Well, I probably want them to stop yelling at me. Ultimately, what do I want? I want to have some peace going on around me and in me. Mm-hmm. Now, when we don't have the flexibility to look at our options, uh, what do we end up doing? We end up yelling back. We end up mm-hmm. yelling louder. Right. Um, and so... Uh, you know, we could say to that person, make a request, mm-hmm. please stop yelling. Right. Um, and if they don't stop, 
you know, odds are <laughs> they might not. Right. Um, you know, that, 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 might, that might seem like a, a, a bit of a, of a big request to ask of someone in the heat of the moment. Okay. Uh, but then you follow it up with your boundary and you say, okay, if, if, if you're not able to help me out with that, I'm, I'm going to leave the room. I'm going to leave the house. I'll mm-hmm. check in with you in an hour. Right. Um, you know, finding creative ways to set our boundaries and finding creative alternatives. That's where the flexibility comes in. Instead of thinking there's only one way through this. And frankly, what, what, and this is a whole other topic here, but frankly, what, what, uh, what takes away that flexibility is the fight or flight response, believing that, uh, that I either need to attack or run away in order to be okay here. The fight or flight response just collapses the space that Viktor Frankl talks about between uh, stimulus and response. And then when that space collapses, uh, we lose access to our prefrontal cortex. We lose access to our logical thinking. We lose access to the ability to process the situation based on our principles and our values. And so we lose our creativity in that moment. We lose the flexibility that we need to find a better alternative and the rigidity and the lack of flexibility shows up in believing that there is only one way through this and I have to exercise great control over the circumstances of the person in front of me to get through this the way I believe I need to get through this. Well, I love that. Thank you. So this is Happily Ever After. It's just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with licensed professional counselor and relational resilience coach Brent Peake about emotional resilience. And if you find it difficult to cope with your marriage's less pleasurable moments, you're not alone. But holding on to negative thoughts or beliefs about you or your relationship can lead you to think your marriage is worse than it probably is. And not addressing these things, these thoughts productively, with flexibility as we were just talking about, can lead to more difficulties. And that's where I can help. I invite you to take a moment and schedule your free, no obligation, five-star relationship discovery call. You can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. That's 919-924-0463. Or you can shoot me an email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in charlie.com. And now I want to get back to this conversation about emotional resilience and the second component, which is adaptability. So, Brent, what makes someone adaptable, and how is this helpful for emotional resilience? So flexibility is about mindset. Adaptability is about skills. In our relationship with other people, and especially in our close romantic relationships, friendships, and family relationships, we tend to have a very limited set of default relationship skills. And in my experience with the folks I've worked with, those skills that they do have are based on how they had to deal with whatever degree of dysfunction there was in their family of origin. Okay. So a a lot of the things that we end up doing in our adult relationship are skills that we came by honestly, uh, to try to find our well-being in the relationship, find peace in the relationship, find happiness in the relationship. But generally speaking, most of the time with the folks that I've worked with, those skills are based on the dysfunction they grew up with, which is kind of a scary thing uh, because there is a dark side 
to some of the things that you think are a really good thing about you. You know, maybe you're the kind of person that you've got your act together. You don't need help. You, uh, you know, you, you're looking good from the outside. Uh, and, and that probably takes someone far in whatever their vocation is. Uh, but I've seen a lot of people that are doing great in their vocation because of some of those types of traits, but they're, they're not doing so well in their personal relationships. Because at well, the end of the day, go ahead. No, go ahead. At the end of the day. Well, at, at the end of the day, uh, those traits that help us feel safe and might even, uh, you know, score some points at work or, or move us up the ladder at work, are the exact thing that's destroying the relationship that we really care about the most. You know, I can be in control, not need any help at work. I got my act together. Look at me. I'm invulnerable. No one can touch me. You come home and act like that. That's not a very relational way to be. You know, I've worked with a lot of folks that, uh, you know, they're like, my my employees love me, but my wife doesn't seem to see what my coworkers and my employees see. And after reminding them who writes their employees' paychecks, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of course they're going to like yeah. you or at least look like they like you. Um, at work, the, you know, the, the goal is to uh, make the money, please the, the uh, investors, make the widgets. It's, it's mm-hmm. a very agenda-driven thing. You can't take that home. And so I tell these people, the things that you have, that have gotten you through a situation like that at work, they're not going to help you at home. And at home, we end up reverting to, as I talked about earlier, the, the, the skills and strategies that we learned in dealing with the dysfunction, often with our parents, uh, or with other, you know, authority or figures or caregivers growing up. You know, if, if, if we grew up in a, uh, in a setting where it was hard to be heard, where our voice didn't matter, uh, you know, we grow up and we decide, hey, I can be heard if I yell loud enough. Um, wait, wait, were you in my house it, growing up? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard the story a few times. I've heard the story. Yeah. So it is, you know, we, we all grew up in imperfect families. Now, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to say that oh, everything wrong with you is your parents' fault, so just Correct. sit back and blame them for the rest of your life. Right. Um, that's not taking responsibility, that's not maturity. But we do need to connect dots. Yes. We do need to ask ourselves, okay, if if I'm engaging in this dysfunctional behavior in my relationship, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm losing control and I'm yelling all the time, okay, who was the yeller in your household growing up? Right. Uh, you know, uh, did you have to yell in your household growing up just to feel heard, just to get a basic need met? Uh, so adaptability is about connecting the dots with our current skills to our past lessons in life, whether that goes back to trauma, abuse, or just some sort of dysfunction that we grew up with. Connecting those dots, realizing the impact of that in our relationship now, and then finding new ways to be with someone else that is more about relation, relationship and connecting rather than trying to control the situation in order to get my well-being from something outside of myself. Right, and I did want to I did want to tack on something to that because you know it it really does come from what we learned and and the coping skills we developed as as children, and that's also a piece that when we're children, first off, we don't have the whole. Um, 
you know, the context of the situation because we're, you know, at five years old, you haven't lived very long and you don't have a whole lot of context, right? So you're, so right. you're figuring out what works, but you're figuring it out in a kind of, you know, kind of in a one down position where I don't, I'm not really an equal and I don't have a huge range of, of information that I can choose from. I mean, and, and just natural life anyway, because if you talk to a little kid and you ask them, you know, what they want to do you know, with their life or whatever, they'll, you know, they'll give you these completely, you know, it's like, oh, well, I want to fly or I want to do this because they're completely, they don't understand the reality of the mm-hmm. world because they have unlimited imaginations. But then life just kind of narrows, you know, the things that they figure out work and we never really broaden ourselves back out again. And so I'm hearing that that's where the skill about adaptability might be really handy. Yeah. And I give credit to one of my mentors, Pia Melody, um, Mm -hmm. who wrote the book Facing Codependence. Um, You know, she, she points out that for most, most of us, what we consider to be adult behavior is really just a child's best attempt at being an adult. Mm-hmm. We, we worked on that as a kid. We worked on that as a teenager. And in our immature state, we tried really hard to do the best things that we could to navigate the difficult situations we were in. Mm-hmm. And, and so those, that skill set became, uh, I was about to say cemented in our brain, but thankfully there's something called neuroplasticity. We can change uh, these things. Uh, but, you know, those became the default strategies. Mm-hmm. And until we do this work, until we gain some awareness, our best attempts at, at trying to get the relationship we really want is a child's best attempt at an adult relationship. Because, you know, I, I, I don't know how many times I've asked someone, you know, how old do you feel in a mm-hmm. situation like that? Mm-hmm. And, and without any hesitation, I hear some age under 18, mm-hmm. usually between 8 and 12 years old. Yep. And so you have to be able to go back and, and, and do that work uh, of, of being able to uh, meet those unmet needs of the child that you were and being able to look at yourself with compassion. And, mm-hmm. and that's a whole other topic. Right yeah. Now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a topic for another show, which maybe I'll have you back on. But so you're talking about this, and and you know I'm I'm fam- I'm familiar with Pia Melody by way of Terry Real, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And you know so this idea that we need to grow basically grow ourselves up in a in a different way. Um, so if people want to be more mature, want to be more relational, want to be more adaptable, um, flexible and, and adaptable, what are, some, what are some steps somebody can take to, to get started on this journey? Well, I think that uh, there's, I think any journey of personal development starts with three things. Um, number one, champion yourself with humility. Uh, we have to be able to have an appropriate self-esteem that values ourselves from within uh, that does that with humility. Um, when, when we can do that, we, that is the beginning of being able to create a, 
a functional, mature base for us to operate from as we're interacting with other people. Championing yourself with humility, not okay. not overrunning other people and not letting other people overrun you, uh, but having a balance uh, of, of equality with other people that you don't have to exert control okay. to be okay. So number one, championing, championing yourself with humility. Number two, own what you can control. Uh, and frankly, that's everything within your boundary of responsibility. Uh, and I would, you know, a lot of people minimize what they feel like they have control over within themselves. They want to blame other people for how they feel. They want to blame other people for what they do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, most of the time people will agree with me. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to be responsible for my behavior. I, I try to be responsible for my behavior. And yet, in the broader culture, you know, it's, it's quite common to hear uh, the phrase, look what you made me do. Exactly. Um, own what you can control. You are responsible for your behaviors. And I would say you're responsible for your emotions as well. Mm -hmm. uh, get rid of the language that says, you make me so mad. You make me so whatever. Get rid of the words, make me. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in your interactions with someone else. Stop blaming someone else for how you feel or what you do. Right. Um, and at the same time, uh, at the same time, uh, get rid of the language about getting someone to do something. <laughs> uh, that's, that's number three, releasing what you can't control. Okay. So, you know, someone will come to me and they'll say, how, how do I get my wife to, to stop nagging me? How do I get him to start, uh, you know, doing more around the house? Right. And, and I tell them, I'm, I'm not here to help you win friends and influence people. Uh -huh. I'm here to help you take care of yourself and respectfully and humbly assert your needs, your desires in the relationship. And when someone else is unavailable to accommodate you, you find another healthy way to take care of yourself and be okay. So own what you can control but then release what you can't control and you can't control other people. You, you mentioned Terry real and uh, I, I, I love his book. I, I just got his new book on mm -hmm. and I've started reading that, but the new rules of marriage, great mm -hmm. book. I wish he had called it something else because I use that material with everybody. Yeah. Um, but you know, he, he talks about attempting to control someone else as one of the losing strategies in a relationship. Yeah. And, when and one point he makes is, and this is very true, when you try to exercise control over someone else, there will be a blowback. Mm -hmm. It will backfire on you because right. nobody likes being controlled. So well, yeah. So but we have to practice self-control, not other control. So what would be some suggestions? I mean, because I agree 100%. I mean, and one of the things that, you know, when people tell me, you know, that so-and-so, you know, you, you, you made me feel a certain way. It's like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, I can agree that yeah. maybe I did something that wasn't appreciated, wasn't liked, was upsetting, whatever. Um, I, can, I can acknowledge that maybe somebody didn't like what I was doing, but how mm -hmm. they feel about it is on them and you know, I mean and, and I will yeah. share this to people but they go but but wait <laughs> I mean and, and this is one of the things when when I read one of Terry and it may have been the new rules of marriage that I was reading and you know, and Terry was talking about you know that we can choose how we feel and I fought that I'm going no we can't yeah. <laughs> and I'm going yeah. oh 
actually, yeah, he's right, we can. Although it takes practice and skill, and these are things we don't teach people. So, no. Um, no. Which is which is why we have you know which is and and one of the things that makes me crazy right now is is trying to protect our children from any kind of disappointment or difficulty and I'm going oh my gosh you're setting them up to fail as adults because they're not mm-hmm. being given that ability to be flexible and adaptable and le- really learn their own power so I mean I'm, yeah. I'm just I'm thinking you and I aren't going to be out of jobs anytime soon. Because, oh, no. I'm not worried about that. I am um, not worried about that. So, short, so I'm going back to what steps can people take. I mean, because I know that there is, it's much easier to look at somebody and say, well, if you would, if my, if my kids or my spouse mm-hmm. or my whoever would just stop doing X, my life would be fine. You know, and then right. it goes back to your know, Dr. Phil's great line. So how's that working for you? Because you know, you're trying right. to focus on other people. And you know, for me, that's the challenge of doing couples work is because there's always this constant, well, look at my partner. I said, yeah, wrong direction, <laughs> wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Because when you yep. start doing something differently, that is when your partner is going to do something different. And, and it's, so how do people get into this? What are, what are some of the things that people can do other than picking up Terry's book or, you know, calling right. you or me? I, I, do, I, I do think that it, it really, any, any relational, emotional help that we're going to get, I, I do believe it has to start with the practice of mindfulness and emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we have to be able to create a new baseline in our nervous system that gets so agitated when things are 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 upset or distressing in our life. Uh, and, you know, being able to regulate your emotions and be in a mindful state where you are focused on the present in a mature way, the first best thing to do is to take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. And, and any helpful practice of emotional regulation is going to start with that and include that. Um, Because the moment you are stopping and taking a deep breath, breathing in deeply, exhaling slowly, uh, you are beginning to take responsibility for that fight or flight response that wants to collapse your opportunity to really face a situation with wisdom and compassion and humility. Uh, so having a mindfulness practice, I think, is extremely critical uh, to be able to do this. I, I once heard uh, Dr. Eric Gentry with the Arizona Trauma Institute say that if he could get everybody to take 200 deep breaths a day, that would change the world. Oh, I love and that. I, I, and I, I have found that to be true. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you use a – there's a bazillion different ways out there, uh, patterns of breathing, just – there's no right or wrong way. As long as you are being intentional, slow, and deep with your breathing, it's it's going to have an effect. If it doesn't have an effect right away, keep doing it. I used to be one of those people that said, this doesn't work for me. Uh, you've got to keep doing it. It has to become a practice. If you compare that with healthy mantras and affirmations in your life, and I'm not talking about the unrealistic ones like I'm going to have a million dollars tomorrow, Right. Uh, but but the but the realistic ones, especially the ones that have to do with your value, your worth, your your lovability, uh, 
you know, I am a worthy human being. I am acceptable. I am good enough. I think if you pair a breathing mindfulness activity with, with mantras and affirmations that affirm your worth, I, I think that's the foundation, the foundational practice that needs to happen here. And then on top of that, exercising those healthy boundaries through, uh, you know, the, the, the protocol that I alluded to earlier, start with a request. Mm-hmm. Decide if you can live with their answer or not. And if you decide you'd rather not be okay with that, then set a boundary that includes your alternative to what you're going to do, a healthy alternative that you will engage in to take care of yourself when someone else is unavailable to accommodate you. Mm-hmm. Don't get resentful. Don't try to control them into doing what you want them to do. You find your well-being from within. And then I think most I, I won't say most importantly, but probably the most obvious thing is, uh, and, and immediately helpful thing is to work on the communication skills. Yeah. Um, and there's a number of different resources out there for that. Terry Reel's book, The New Rules of Marriage, does an excellent job uh, mm-hmm. in, in helping folks communicate. Uh, but humbly and compassionately sharing what's going on with you and listening and being patient to what's going on with someone else. I call those our rough drafts. You know, we're always interpreting a situation. And and I used to work for a guy that would say, given a lack of information, people will connect the dots in the most pathological way possible. That is absolutely true. (laughs) We are wired for the negative. Uh So we have to hold our thoughts lightly. We have to hold our assumptions lightly. I'm okay with assuming, but we need to stop acting on unfounded conclusions. Uh, We need to be able to, we need to be able to share a rough draft of what we're thinking. Here's what I think you meant when you said that. Uh, Here's what I think is going on in your mind or what I think you're thinking about me right now. I'm not enjoying this thought. I'd love to be wrong about it. Can we talk about it? And then if you hear something like that from, from, from your partner, spouse, loved one, be patient with their rough draft. Don't give them a hard time for assuming the worst about you because you've done it about them. So be patient. Be patient with each other's rough drafts. Be willing to listen. Be willing to share. Uh, that is a risk. That is a leap of faith. And sometimes that is best done with the help of a professional like yourself. Uh, you know, sometimes we're not quite ready to start those kinds of conversations, and in which case we just need to disengage until we get the help we need. Absolutely. But we have to stop acting on those unfounded conclusions. We, we have assumed so much about each other. Right. And we have built this framework that has become so dysfunctional and inaccurate. It's an inaccurate map of what's going on. So, Brent, I'd like to thank you so much for this. Can you please share where people can find out more about resilience, resilience training um, from you? Yeah, so I actually have a couple websites. Probably the best one for your listeners would be innerempowered.com. Um, that's where I offer, uh, online, uh, individual and group coaching. Um, I do also offer in-person therapy in my office in Phoenix. And I realize that's probably not a, uh, the most ideal option for, for most of, of your listeners, but I have had a few folks, uh, travel from around the country to come work with me. And that's quite an honor to get to do that. Um, but yeah, uh, innerempowered.com is, is going to be the best uh, way to get started. And I appreciate that. Well, terrific. Because... What we've said here today, what you've heard today, is a lot of what you do when faced with challenging situations is habit. Coping skills that you developed early in life that are keeping you stuck now. And the good news is that these 
but you learn these behaviors, which means you can learn new ones, and ones that will pull you out of a downward spiral and spiral and refocus you in a more positive way so that you can create a smoother, more loving marriage. And hopefully one of the things that you will continue to do as a habit is listening to this show. So until next week, stay loving.